1: So why watch that movie talk? We have some sneak peeks and a first look for you for this movie talk. And you couldn't get more opposite. I mean, literally, these are on all ends of the spectrum of what you would find in the theaters. We're going to start with a um, a festival. I'll say favorite. It was it. It's the it's the it's a festival. Chat you chat about it at the festivals. We first um, acknowledged it at Sundance of this year, and it was later at TIFF, and I don't, I think it popped in somewhere else too. I don't know if it was at Tribeca or not. But Honey Boy, which is a new movie that will come out November eleventh or November eighth. Excuse me. Starring a very familiar cast. Um, but first, it's directed by Alma Harrell and it's written by, hold it, hold it, Shia LaBeouf. Now you're thinking, sh- wait, what? <laughs> like Terminator? <laughs> or not Terminator, but uh, Transformers Shia? Disney Channel Shia? Like that guy? Yes. Mm. Not mm. only the screenwriter, but he's also starring in it. And it's somewhat autobiographical. I'll just say that you'll you'll clear it up, I'm sure. Lucas Hedges is in it. Noah Jupe is in it. Laura San uh, Giacomo is in it, uh, along with some other people who just show up in Honey Boy. Now, I remember when you saw this critic, and you were like, "Um, uh, uh, what?" Mm. what did I just see? So uh, hopefully you can get through the plot of this and we will decide whether or not we're going to, you know, trudge out into the cold and see Honey Boy in the theaters.
0: Mm. All right. So here we go. Um, So like you said, it's written by Shia LaBeouf. It is a drama and it's based on his life. Okay, so in this movie, it's not, Shia's not the name, it's Otis instead. And Otis is a star, and he's 12, 12 years old. His father, on the other hand, is not a star. Instead, he's a former rodeo clown and addict. Huh. Oi, boy. So Otis and his dad, play by Shia, who wears a uh, it's a ridiculous wig and glasses and he has a pot belly like that whole thing. They live in a rundown motel that's home to prostitutes. Yes. So what do you think happens there? Oh, and by the way, obviously Otis pays the bills, and he pays his father to be his guardian. Mm-hmm. But just how do you think that makes Dad feel? Also, how can Otis, who's observantly and sensitively played by Noah Juke, continue to navigate his dad's moodiness and abuse? Mom left, so she clearly couldn't. And in fact, when mom and dad fight over the phone, Otis is their conduit. But that's not all, because Honey Boy also focuses on Otis at age 22. So we have Otis at 12 and then at 22. He's still a successful actor, But unfortunately, he also inherited his father's addiction gene. And so eventually he's forced into rehab where he, as played by an always gang Lucas Hedges, has to confront his past in order to move forward into a healthier future. But what about dad? What will he have to say about his honey boy now? Now look, when movies are as personal as this one is, here's the question for moviegoers. Will it transcend its own confides and turn into something universal? Otherwise, it'll come across as a particular movie for people who've experienced something similar instead. And for Honey Boy, the latter is much closer to the truth. In essence, this film's major point of focus is on how the sins of parents, and in this case fathers for the most part, are passed down to their children i think that there was too much of shia as the dad to make that point land as powerfully as possible first of all lucas hedges as the 22 year old otis is underused there isn't enough of him and in particular there isn't enough of him with shia i think that seeing the two of them together throughout the movie would have been more successful the dots would have connected more clearly In fact, when this film was at its best outside of the occasional humorous line, it paralleled the experience of Otis at both ages. From the beginning, director Alma Harrell focuses on Otis at age 22 as he goes through a stunt routine and other things on set in repetitive fashion. Then we see Otis at age 12 do a similar kind of thing. And that kind of echo also happened later in the film when both of the Otis's scream, though for different reasons, and when both are hugged by their dad. And it's in those moments when Honey Boy made a clear connection between the time period and between father and son. So if they had made a film that consistently toggles between kid Otis with dad, adult Otis on set and in rehab, and adult Otis with dad as well, then this film might have been better able to put its audience in a stronger position to link all of those experiences into one emotional whole. As it is, though, Honey Boy feels more like a movie that Shia needed to make to exercise some of his personal demons than like a movie that needs to be seen by most audiences.
1: Well, there you go. It's in theaters on the 8th. You might have to dig around to find it. Sounds like to me that if you do pay the $15, you really have to be a fan of Shia. Um, Moving on to Crown Vic, which isn't available everywhere, the 8th. In fact, if if you're in New York, you can go see it. Um, And LA. But as far as other cities, you're going to have to wait till the 15th, but it's also on demand. So there you go with that. Crown Vic is written and directed by Joel... Souza, and it has somewhat of a familiar cast. Um, we've got David Crumholtz, We've got Thomas Jane. We've got Bridget Moynihan who uh, is in Blue Bloods if you love watching that. We've got other people popping in popping out a lot of TV uh, credits and a familiar face here and there. I don't know much about Crown Vic. I just know it's a cop show. A cop. Um, movie, Um, but uh, what makes this
0: any different? Well, it's real on the streets of L.A. Yeah. And at the beginning of Crown Vic, we can see why. Because we're immediately thrust into a police chase involving two robbers in masks. And these robbers are taking out everyone they can in their escape. (laughs) Then we cut to sometime later, and we're introduced to Officer Ray Mandel, who's played by Thomas Jane. Ray's been on the job for 25 years, yeah. But this day is a first for him. It's the first time that he'll have a rookie, a boot, to train. And this boot is no ordinary rookie because this boot is Officer Nick Holland played by Lou Klein Tank. And Nick is a is cop royalty because his father's a legend and his brothers are in the business as well. Of course, Nick has all of these ideas about how he's gonna make his mark in a way that has nothing to do with his father, and he wants to do things by the book. So Ray looks at him and thinks, shut up and listen, really. And so over the course of one eight-hour shift, Ray teaches Nick the ropes, and of course, they get to know each other so that we can get to know them. We learn that Nick's got a wife and a kid on the way, which causes some distraction, and we learn that Ray's got a past. What a shock. Also, we see how boots are treated by their more seasoned colleagues. For instance, right after Ray and Nick meet in amusing fashion, Ray gets a heads up about something secretive from one of his top buddies. And after that exchange, Nick introduces himself to the guy, who says in return, Who are you, my bartender? I don't need to know your name. Okay. And then Ray and Nick make their rounds in the Olympic division of LA, and as they do, They encounter a burning car with a nasty surprise inside of it, a drunk woman who's parked her car on the sidewalk, a woman who seems to be out of her mind, which puts them in danger, and so on and so forth. But none of that compares to two of their colleagues who are also making the rounds. Officers Jack Van Zant, played by Josh Hopkins, and Stroke Adams, played by David Prumholt. Now, both Jack and Stroke are pieces of work, which makes this a trying night for both Ray and Nick. However, you can't forget about the secret information that Ray received because it links to a little girl who's gone missing and whose strung out mother, played by Bridget Moynihan, has a certain connection to Ray. Also, you can't forget about the two robbers from the beginning of the film. Just how do they fit into all of this? And so, as you can tell, Crown Vic is in the vein of numerous cop films and TV shows. But it's not quite as bonkers as Bad Lieutenant or Training Day. And it's not quite as sharp as Rampart. And stylistically, everything revolves around that Crown Vic. All the action takes place in or around that titular black and white cop car. And as a result, the camera peers into the car through the front windshield, and it peers out of the car in the opposite direction from the back. Also, almost all of it takes place during one night in LA, so you know what that looks like. However, while Thomas Jane has created a performance with some interesting texture, Pretty much all of Crown Vic is overly familiar and predictable. Now, that doesn't have to be a bad thing, especially if you're in the mood for a hard-nosed depiction of a night in the life of a cop. However, for it to work, it must be executed well. And on that count, Crown Vic falls a bit short. Now, the reason why is that the numerous conversations are way too drawn out, thereby stalling the momentum. So by the time something happens outside of the opening chase, which is very effective, it's hard to be that interesting. I mean, you knew it was coming long ago. And that's why by the end, this film's supposed revelations aren't that revelatory. And that's why much of the sting that might have been is lost, regardless of how brutal things get. Because instead of barreling toward its conclusion, Crown Vic gets there and fits and starts. So while Crown Vic is a decent film overall, it doesn't go for the jugular, which is a shame because it had the potential to sock the audience in the gut. And now speaking of socking us in the gut, here's the first look we have for you from The Rep. It's in theaters everywhere right now. And what is this it? It's Terminator Dark Fate whoa, we're back to this universe, but we've ignored some movies that have been released in the Terminator series. <laughs> yes, so this is directed by Tim Miller. It's uh, written by David Goyer, Justin Rhodes, and Billy Ray. James Cameron is producing. Mm-hmm. You can read about that if you want. And he contributed to the story along with the writers and Charles H. Egley and Josh Friedman. It's starring, get ready, if you don't know, Linda Hamilton is back. Ooh. Arnold Schwarzenegger is back. Oh. Joined by Mackenzie Davis, uh, Natalia Reyes, Gabriel Luna, and Diego Boneta. So tell us, Ref, what is going on? Is this a return to the glory days of the Terminator franchise?
1: Well, I heard critics say, and most of them say this, that it's the third best Terminator movie, which sounds like shade, but actually is not. So Mm. let's start with this. You hinted to the fact that some Terminator movies have been raised, essentially like three or four of them, basically. (laughs) We start in uh, with Sarah Connor, and this is the Sarah Connor we knew from uh, Terminator Judgment Day. She Mm. isn't the... uh, She's she's in. She's being interrogated. The story that she tells is outlandish. It's ridiculous, and it ultimately lands her in a mental mental institution. Um, and as you remember from Judgment Day, when she gets out, she ain't playing games. It's not the first Sarah Connor that we see. So our movie pull ups. Up, that's right. I I will never forget them pull ups. We see a different Sarah Connor. At the start of this, she is very protective of her son, who has been destined to save the world in the future because it's infested with machines that haunt and kill humans. And they succeed. But something happens that changes the course of history once again by someone very familiar shall we say hmm. boom flash forward to present day today uh we are in mexico and there is a family in mexico uh the ramos and they are loving family we don't know where the mother is i think she died uh, little danny the oldest sister uh, takes care of her brother and her father. She's very much uh, just a, a, a young woman, and just kind of moving through life. Uh, they, she just you know works at a factory, trying to make ends meet. She's pretty happy. And in a distance, you get that crackling from the sky. You know what it is. Something hmm. lands naked, <laughs> as they do and it's a terminator. Uh oh. What is this terminator? When is this terminator? That's a very 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 big question. And what does it have to do with Danny? Now, also a crack in the sky, uh someone else lands. It's not a terminator. It's Grace. Who is this woman? Because she seems to be doing things that no human can do. The question is, where is she from and when is she from? And what does she have to do with Danny? Now, fast forward, Danny somehow is very integral in the future. And somehow Sarah Connor finds her way to Danny. How does that happen and why? Is Grace going to be able to protect Danny from this new Terminator who has different abilities than we've ever seen. Ooh, if you look look at that trailer, and you'll see he's doing stuff that we ain't never seen. And how does this all revolve around one of the original T 80 Terminators? Arnold Schwarzenegger. The question lies in this movie what does Danny do in the future? that makes her warranted of people throwing their lives in her way to protect her. Is the future the way we think it's going to be? Because remember, there was another future. Is this new future more hopeful or is it not? The Terminators in the future, why did they send this particular Terminator to take care of this particular job? And for the Terminator T-80 who's left, what side is he on well if sarah connor has anything to do with it you're gonna find that out real quick now this is the review many critics are they're, they're kind of polarized a little bit they are leaning more towards the eh, for me i was thoroughly entertained you no. are not i was I, i'm not saying this is good I just Mm -hmm. didn't try to get in the way of making sense. Yes, there are some plot hole problems like time travel and how this affects that and why didn't this. If you try to go into this trying to understand it like Star Wars or try to understand it, you're really going to see a lot of plot holes in it. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to turn that brain off. I'm going to turn that ref brain off. And just let this wash all over me. This is some of the, of this year, some of the best action sequences that we've seen. And certainly Paramount could use a lift um, coming from Gemini Man that really did not do well. This is kind of doing, you know, the in and out. But let me tell you something. They used some of the um, the age, uh, def- um, age defying, or not age defying, um, aging backwards on some of the actors and it looked Mm -hmm. the best ever. There were sequences under the water. There were sequences in the sky. There were sequences in a warehouse. There were sequences on a a huge highway. Like, really, if you were bored in this movie, I don't know what movie you were in. Now, when things did settle and they started talking, then that's where it gets a little like, "Mm, okay, well, mm, okay. Stop it. And of course, they use some of the cheesy, you know, cheesy way they use some of the lines like he'll be back, I'll be back, I won't be back, she'll be back. I mean, they did that a couple times, but guess what? I didn't care. I didn't care because it was so entertaining. And I do have to give a special shout out to end this to Mackenzie Davis, who is the new if if they could build a franchise around her, I would watch that. Her stakes were so high. She was so committed. And she did a lot of her stunts, which it was crazy. If they could just build it on her and the new Sarah Connor, this this other old Sarah Connor, I would totally watch that. I really thought they did an outstanding job. Overall, this is really what I have to say about it. Ignore all those other Terminator movies. This is really the third In the Terminator, so there's Terminator, there's Terminator Judgment Day, and there's Terminator Dark Fate. And I would really suggest you just stick with those three. Go to the movies to see this. Why not? Be entertained. Let it wash over you. Don't think. Have a hard day, all all hard week, and just go to the movies and let this just wash all over you. And let the popcorn just sink right into your stomach. And just enjoy Terminator. I did.
0: Wow. So we I have did. three movies.
1: It's not great. I'm not going to, please don't, don't say.
0: Oh yeah. It's <laughs> not great. It isn't. But it's it's entertainment. entertainment. Yes, exactly. And what's wrong with that? That's, so yes. we have three forms of maybe entertainment, maybe not so entertainment in this movie talk for you. Honey Boy opens in theaters on the 8th. And Crown Vic will be in New York and L.A. Or no, New York that time. But in L.A. and other select cities on the 15th and on demand that that time. And of course, Terminator Dark Fate is in a theater near you right now. Will we be back? I think so. (laughs) But that's it for now. (laughs) Oh, my God.